This is Marco Reus and you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. of the Yale Warpods. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and this week we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's bitter defeat against Union Berlin and how Marco Reus will attempt to recruit Kai Havertz and for this joins me the only one that was available <laughs> because everyone is dodging us Matthias Zug. Hello Matthias. I'm glad that you are here in this emotional support group post the first L of the season. Oh, Stefan, I'm I'm glad to be here, but only because of the company. Um, yeah, oh, it's surprising. Don't want to have an embarrassing loss, and all of a sudden, nobody has time. <laughs> hmm. No, uh, always <laughs> glad to be here. It's Wednesday now. This uh, episode was previously scheduled for first Monday, then Tuesday, because uh, nobody ever really had time. Um, so now I guess there's a bit of more emotional distance. I don't know how it would have been had we recorded like half hour after the game. Probably would have sounded a bit different. And, uh, first of all, we, we don't have any Patreon sponsors, obviously, for this episode because who the hell would sponsor this particular episode? I sure as heck would not. But, um, before we begin, uh, I just want to thank anyone for tuning in. Uh, because I know that's a masochistic thing to do. So, uh, if you're with us <laughs> after, after this sort of loss, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, Matthias, I, I'm not sure where to begin. Um, I, I guess we can start with the first half hour, um, against Union because, um, that was, I think, a start that, in my opinion, was a bit more bright than against Cologne because Dortmund were not as abject. And I think in that first 25 minutes, Union Berlin had like one completed pass a minute. So it, it looked, at, at least I thought it, it started promising. Um, what, 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 your, what were your first impressions of the game? Because as you just told me, you could not watch it live because your son had his birthday party. So uh, you already knew the result watching it. So what were your observations then? Well, obviously, um, after the third round of vodka before watching it, I... Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I agree with you. The first 30 minutes, I mean, you see the, the, the first Union goal go in and you're like, oh, great. A set-piece goal. Ah, shocker! Uh, even though it's a little bit different than the usual. Um, it wasn't, uh, you know, throw it and kick it into the mixer and see what happens. Because obviously, Holmes is kind of a beast there. You play it out more towards the edge of the area. It, it was actually a set-piece routine where I went, okay, you know, I mean, that can happen. Uh, it's, it took Dortmund, obviously, by surprise, much like the Köln corner routine was very well-crafted. Uh, so hats off to a well-crafted corner routine. Um, 
So there, there are new ways for Dortmund to concede now from corners. Uh, but then when Paco got the equalizer, like I said, it was within the first 30 minutes. I was like, okay, you know, we're th- that was Union's goal. And now it's time to kick it up a notch and just steamroll them. And, um, yeah, it did, didn't quite, quite go off. Um, multiple reasons for that. Uh, and it's almost like Union Berlin watched the Köln game and was Fischer went, what can we do that correctly? What Köln did wrong? It's almost like Dortmund didn't even bother watching the Köln game and just went, look how great we were against a crappy Augsburg side. Um, and it just, it just ev- devolved really it didn't evolve. There's no evolution there, uh, for the rest of the match. So it just, I'm glad I wasn't able to watch it live and already knew the, the result. Otherwise it would not have been a happy household that evening. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I think that there was a lot of unhappiness after the game, in particular because not because it was just a blip and, you know, a slip up that could happen at this point of the season still against the euphoric promoted team, but because this is exactly the the loss that we have seen a million times already from from this team and it's more about the long-term development or rather lack thereof. And that's just extremely frustrating. I mean, we've seen atrocious set-piece defending. We've seen individual errors. And in the end, you know, Dortmund also lost their collective heads again and uh, were a bunch of headless chickens with zero clue how to break down a defensive opponent. And it's just... Yet another mix that that is very discouraging for the season that's ahead and for the ambition they have. This should have been an easy win in in terms of the opponent. Um, may, maybe not uh, completely walk over them six nil, seven nil, nothing like that. But at least um, you know Dortmund usually should not have to play their very best football to come away with a win against a side like Union Berlin, but. Uh, the football they played was uh, yeah, nowhere near good enough. Um, if there's one modicum of positivity we can take away from is that the way Julian Brandt played and uh, he, in the, in the first five minutes, he had a very good chance um, when he was still on the right wing where, where he started. I think he's, he started on the right wing and then Jane Sancho on the left and switched later. But in the first five minutes, he had this very good chance after Mats Hummel's, uh diagonal pass. And then uh, a couple more moments, one or two, um, where he could have uh, played the ball. Then I think straight to Alcacer or Royce. I don't remember who it was, but a uh, nice solo. But the the, the problem with, with Julian Brandt, for example, is um, for this game, and which is my positive takeaway because it's going to get better just in the zone he was playing. He just didn't receive the ball all that often um, because he was playing most of the time. Um, yes, on the left wing if you want, but a bit more centrally. And, and uh, it wasn't easy for Dortmund to get into that channel. And I hope and believe that they will figure out over time how to get the ball right into that a space where Julian Brandt then can turn around and, and wreak havoc the way he does. And that that's the one positive. And now the negative part is just this, this 4-2-3-1 old system. I don't think 
Lucien Favre needs to play um, with the with the double pivot there. I, I like the headline from Kicker, the mood probe before the game, which is the dare, whether he would have the courage to drop the double pivot uh, because in, in such a game it is, in my opinion, just not necessary to play like that, especially um, the way Dortmund did it in the first half with uh, Delaney um, and, and Weigel and then Weigel dropping in between the center backs, which leaves Delaney further up front, and then he is supposed to distribute the ball, which is just not a very smart idea to begin with. And it's also just the blueprint. Uh, Will Fischer just, as you just said, Matthias, had to, had to look at, uh, at what Cologne did, um, take Anthony Uja and Sebastian Anderson and put them up top to basically disturb uh, Dortmund's center backs then isolate the fullbacks and uh, either Dortmund's central midfielders are already in a cover shadow. If not, you put a number six or number eight up to them to to disrupt them. So, um, yeah, quite simple. And I think for Dortmund, the first half hour was positive because Union Berlin wasn't quite as courageous as, as Cologne were from the get-go. But uh, then... Union found better and better into the game and, and Dortmund, yeah, did not. That was just deteriorating. And and that to me is is maybe the, the main problem. A team like Dortmund should just put the uh scare, scare the, the living bejesus out of Union Berlin. That's what I think they should they should do. Um just be a top team and and make that very, very clear that uh, you pass the ball around in, in a way that Union do not get any ideas or or learn their courage after 30 minutes or so but they need to pee their pants for 90 minutes so to speak a little bit like like Augsburg did just uh you know suffocate them eventually with with possession and, and with the skill and and you know don't let up um and that's that's uh, something that that really irks me because Dortmund certainly have the potential to do that but they're too timid too slow and then, of course, concede the first goal, um, come back, but never really in, in that fashion where you think, wow, they're, they're going to blow Union Berlin away here or they're clearly the better team. I, you know, if, if, if you swap the jerseys, you wouldn't even realize it. So that was, that was simply bad. And, uh, I think if, if, if I think about the 90 minutes, the most vexing thing still though is, uh, the fact that they could not substitute Thomas Delaney out of the game after he crashed with his head to the ground. Um, I've been sitting here for ages and ages now talking about how dangerous concussions are and how the freaking Bundesliga needs to get his shit together. But yet again, here we are, player really hard impact on the ground is bleeding on his temple. So you know that the impact was at a very critical point. And uh, then, you know, he gets stitched up. Two minutes later, he's back on the pitch. And I think in the period until the halftime, until he was finally subbed out, um, it, he, he played too much headers. And I think it, it's just too dangerous and a complete no-go. And, and there needs to be um, profound change. And before I, I, I rent even further, uh, Matthias, what, what is your take on the, on the Delaney situation? You know, I had a discussion not, not too long ago um, about the head injuries in the NFL. 
And people are like, oh, I don't watch the NFL anymore because of concussions. And uh, so I just, I watch uh, Bundesliga or Premier League or whatever. And I said, yeah, you know, obviously there are concussions in American football. It's obviously you're slamming face into face. Uh, but uh, they, they learn through their mistakes and their um, ill-gotten policies and actually now have a strong concussion protocol in general in American sports, but specifically in the NFL. Um, whereas in soccer and football, uh, be it Bundesliga, Premier League, Champions League, I just have to think of Jan Fetong, um, or World Cup Finals, Christoph Kramer, there is nothing. It is, it is like they have no idea what, what is this concussion thing you speak about? Is that a, <laughs> is that a myth? Is that like the tooth fairy? Um, and that, that really irks me. These are medical professionals. Obviously, they know what a concussion is. If they, huh, no pun intended, have two brain cells to rub together, um, they would look at the protocols that have been put in place in U.S. sports, again, specifically the NFL, and go, hey, we need to do something like that in our sport. Because at that point, you still had your subs. Take them off. There's, don't take that risk. I mean, you think about it. People complain in the NFL it happens. In the NFL, if you have a great season, you're playing like 19 games. In uh, if you're a professional footballer like Delaney is, who also represents his country, uh, is going to play Champions League, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, there's a good chance you're going to play like 50 games. So take the player off. Don't risk it, especially ahead of an international break. You're like, okay, you know, you can take a longer break. I don't know if he got called up by Denmark. If he did, that compounds the situation. And the Danish FA is even dumber than the people who told Jan Vertonghen to go back on because anybody could see that that guy was out of it. Um, it's, it's a concern. It's an issue that needs to be taken care of. Of course, head injuries to this degree don't happen that often in the sport. But they do happen, and the few times that they do happen, just make the necessary change. Um, you know, it should be no issue, no problem at all for FIFA to come in and change a rule and say, if you've already used all your three subs, and then a player goes down with a head injury um, that, you know, that you're worried has a concussion, you're allowed to play a fourth sub, kind of like we do in the DFB-Pokal in extra time. Just do it that. It's simple. It, nobody should be annoyed by it. Just do that. Seeing what he went through bothers me. I've gotten concussions. Probably explains a few things. Um, <laughs> at a time when there was no concussion protocol in American football. Trust me. Um, and so just, just get it together. This is a basic safety concern that, in my opinion, the solution is super easy. So just get it done. And if anything, they should never have let him continue playing. For, for me, it just starts with independent doctors because I, you, you just can't trust team doctors at all to, to make these uh, assessments, especially if you look at that Fatongan case, which was just mind-boggling. Or, I mean, yes, a very special game, but the World Cup final was uh, with Christoph Kramer. And he doesn't even remember playing. You know, people joke about it. And um, what I also didn't appreciate is is just the. Um, <laughs> I think it was the the German Twitter account of of Borussia Dortmund who then like uh, basically said machine and then had the muscle emoji that just completely uncalled for. 
anyway, um, let's move on a little bit because um, the game changed then in the second half for Dortmund with uh, the uh, introduction of Mahmoud Dahoud, who uh, obviously hadn't played since a friendly against, uh, was it Preussen Münster? I think it was. Um, and he didn't really cover himself in glory in, in that game. So um, how did you see Modahud coming on after the break? That's too bad Lars isn't here to answer that question. Um, uh, just because I'm such a big uh, Mo Dahoud fan, uh, I'm honestly surprised he's still playing for Dortmund. Um, yeah, I mean, he's more obviously he's more creative than Delaney. He's a completely different type of player. Uh, initially, it was okay, but over the long term of the match, uh, the time that he played, he kind of reverted back to form of being a player that I think is a complete waste in a Dortmund squad. But uh, he he also regressed to the mean average of the team overall. Um, so I can't say he was the worst player like he has been in the past, uh, but uh, he was just as bad as everybody else. He's not a difference maker. And uh, there is a difference maker on that Dortmund bench right now who is in that match who did not see the pitch. And I have no idea... Why he's not playing, I'll be perfectly honest, given how Mario Goetze played last season. Uh, he was clearly the best player in the second half of the season for Dortmund. I don't know what's happened. Uh, this can't just be a contract thing. I don't, Favre re I don't think Favre really cares about that. Um, so I, I just, I'll be honest, I have literally no idea what the issue is. Yeah, so I, I I guess it's it's that it's time to open that can of worms, which is the uh, <laughs> good old trainer discussion. Because I um am similarly baffled. Um, I've said it before on the, on the Gegenpressing podcast, which you can f f check out on the Football Grad Network. Um, and I personally, and maybe this sounds a bit controversial, but for this game, I would have benched Marco Royce because. I don't think Marco Royce is uh, the the best and most effective against uh, really these deep sitting teams. I think he has a habit of of disappearing, or um, because he just needs a little bit more space. And these are often games where he just doesn't get it. Um, obviously, um, Marco Royce has the the qualities to still make a difference in these games, but the chances for him to do that is just that much lower. And at the same time, I, I think Mario Götze um, can thrive. Um, at least has the creative, um, you know, the, the structure, well, wh whatever you want to call it. But he has the magic feet on on in, in the tighter spaces to make things happen that other players cannot. And he is just a very special player that Dortmund have and and should use exactly for a game like this. Um, so it's it's just very frustrating to see him on the bench for the full 90 minutes. And I thought, all right, you know, after 75 minutes when uh, there was the, the water break and Dortmund had just conceded the third, I thought, all right, um, surely he will bring on Götze next. And nothing happened. And in the 86 minutes, he brings on Brun Larsen. It's, it's more and more difficult for me to have confidence in, in Lucien Favre because last season we already... Um, after a very good start, but then it, it deteriorated. His his in-game coaching just sort of declined. And again, his decision-making just absolutely baffling. I mean, that that's just a blatant error. I, I don't know how else, how else to describe it. I mean, 
Brun Larsen, I think, had five passes according to who scored, um, and all of them were backwards, and he had zero impact on the game. Surprise, surprise, um, it was a team, the Dortmund side, that at, at the latest stages of this game had completely lost its heads. Um, there, I mean, it was a ferocious, spectacular atmosphere. Obviously, it's not easy to play in conditions like these and Dortmund lost all of their structure and, and, and creativity. And then you need a player that, that provides exactly that. And you have Mario Götz on the freaking bench. So I don't know why you bring on Brun Larsen. I don't know what the, what, what, why? I, I just don't, I just don't know. Uh, Matthias, you have to explain to me what, what Favre's logic was behind that because I completely failed to see it. Well, obviously we're we're of same mind there. I um it and I agree with you a a 4141 system probably would have been better. You pack more playmakers in there. I don't necessarily agree with not having Royce on there. I would have put Royce on the left wing and then centrally you've got Brandt and Götzen and Sancho on the right and I think you can play to everybody's strength and then you have an incredibly credible uh <clears throat> excuse me, an incredibly uh creative attacking team because you don't really have to worry about too much at the back at that point unless you know uh you concede from two corners and one long throw uh but with favre you know i i kind of harken back i was thinking about this this morning when our discussion when favre was announced as the new the new head coach of Borussia Dortmund um you know, overall positive. I mean, he's obviously very intelligent, cerebral coach. Is like you had mentioned previously, his overall idea makes perfect sense. However, uh, we all were of the opinion that his overly patient, overly conservative nature uh, can can really be problematic at times. So, I. It, it reminds me a lot of some of those incredibly boring Gladbach matches. Yes, that's, that's definitely true. And I mean, the, the problem with, with Favre right now is he has, <laughs> I mean, this, this guy has, has not really managed to develop Dortmund in any sense, uh, you know, going forward the last three or four months. And the, the problems we are talking about today were the problems we were talking about in September. And, uh, it's, it's just, it's just annoying. It, it really is because, um, there is not really a, a big development. Dortmund's headpiece defending has been shit forever. And, uh, I mean, maybe fire Manfred Stefes, who's the guy in charge for that. Maybe Dortmund need to hire a special team coach. But it's also just the fact that, um, Dortmund tried to move the ball around with their possession scheme and, Patience, 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 but, but they just can't figure it out. And if there's not a, you know, positive development, the tactical flexibility is not there to really make big adjustments that actually catches other coaches by surprise anymore. You know, if all these things are missing and you look at, at this team and, and it's the same errors again and again, um, then I just think, you have to start wondering really if if he is the right coach still and we've seen this with Lucien Favre before that his first season was great and maybe his second season too but at some point th there's a decline and 
you know, in my, in my piece, I've wondered about this because Lucien Favre is is a non-quitter, if you will, um, he, because he is just just his nature is is one of of self-doubt, and some people are like that, and I think he's a very brilliant guy. Don't get me wrong, but Dortmund is a big club, and as soon as as that confidence drop by the fan base. You know, if this is being echoed by the media or some some other way into the club, which usually always happens, if if you know people can feel the panic, um, then obviously Favre will sense that at some point too. And and if he has this self doubt, basically, um, what what will happen then to him? You know what I mean? Um. How, how will he deal with that situation? How will the whole club deal with that? I, I, I mean, I don't want to be too negative here, but, um, you know, I was really personally hoping that these errors and mistakes were a thing of the past with this summer because I thought, okay, they would analyze all the mistakes and obviously a couple of things he just can't, you know, improve with the, with the snap of a finger, but at least set piece defending, I think is, is something you should be able to fix over a whole freaking summer break. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's just ex extremely annoying. And, um, yeah, so I, I don't know where, where to, where to leave this because you, you can't fire Lucien Favre. I don't think that would make any sense at all. Um, just for a lack of, Alternatives. <laughs> I don't know if you want to have Mourinho or so, uh, like Jesse Huber <laughs> suggested. But um, um, yeah, I think Dortmund should maybe think about a new coach if there's not a turnaround sooner than later. Because uh, I've I personally have have lost a lot of confidence in in Favre. I mean, it was never at a hundred. To be fair, I'm more in, in Lars's camp there. But um, yeah, this 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 game has to be seen in the context of last season and that's just a horrible experience which is why it to me personally was just a bit more painful to lose that way than uh you know if it were another game or another loss especially at the heel of the Cologne match which was already going in a similar direction and then Dortmund obviously turned it around but uh you know they were already the, the, the same symptoms you know on display so quite annoying I, i don't know how how you see it and if you want to talk about favre and and maybe dortmund have having to think about a different coach for the next season or so but um you know it's match day three <laughs> maybe we're going a little bit too overboard with this i don't know but um i i think it it needs to be mentioned Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, those, the, the quitting mentality was a big thing that I had an issue with, with Favre, uh, when he was first floated as manager. Uh, I made no bones about it. I, I, I personally had a bigger, bigger problem with it after the Revier Derby, to be frank. That annoyed me that he yeah. said, Oh, the championship yeah. is over now when it was clearly not. So yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, and he's going to be an extremely short leash, this short leash this season, given the high amount of investment that Dortmund made, the very uh, aggressive, not aggressive, but um, I'm not even going to say courageous, but them saying, hey, we want to win the title, as you should as Dortmund. You want to win the title. If you don't want to win the title, don't show up. Go away. Um, that's that's your job. 
Um, if you just want to seed the Bundesliga every season to Bayern or in future Leipzig, who I think will actually win it this year, if Dortmund don't, um, then the Bundesliga is a pointless competition to watch anymore. So in my opinion, Favre, he needs to change completely in the next few weeks, which he won't, given his age. And unless there are some massive upticks over the course of the next two months, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there's a new manager in charge after the Winterpause. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't, don't know who Dortmund would get. Usually, if you lose on, on match day three after four wins in a row, you would be like, all right, okay, this is a slip up. This can happen. Let's move on. But in, in, in this case, I see, I just see it a bit differently. And, um, another thing that did Dortmund in, obviously, in this game is, uh, another individual mistake. Um, there's, uh, not much you can do about that as a coach, I think. Um, Manuel Kanji, um, and that's sort of vexing about the situation because Union Berlin had a throw in it deep in their own half and then, you know, the, the throw was taken first time by, I, I don't even know who it was, but it was basically just a long punt, uh, down the field, which would have resulted in nothing had Akanji dealt with the ball normally, but it, it got away from him and straight in the feet of, of, uh, Marius Bülter. Uh, who then, uh, yeah, painted right forward to Sebastian Anderson. And then Akanji, already, he, he was still in, in better field position to defend that, but then was not nutmegged. And then Roman Bürki with an amazing save. And here comes the next issue for Dortmund, is that just Julian Weigel's lack of pace in that instance um, is, is really horrible because Bülter was still five, six meters behind Weigel when the whole play started. And, uh, he obviously was then the goal scorer who popped up in the background and, uh, Weigel could have, should have, uh, made that run up or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, he just doesn't have the legs for that. And that's, that's a critical issue as well. So, um, yeah, just, just to name another thing that, that obviously needs to change, but I don't know how quickly it will change. I, I don't think. Manuel Kanji is the worst footballer of all time, um, as, as, as some talk about it on Twitter. But at the same time, um, I can see that he is not fully, I don't know. I think his movement is just a bit more rigid than it was before. Um, he had this hip injury, uh, was, was apparently a bit complicated in January and then should have had surgery and then didn't. So um I just don't think he 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 fully ever recovered from that and I'm not entirely sure um yeah what what the deal is with him but he is not the same player that that he was before his injury and that uh, is obviously concerning because the the next in line is uh, Leonardo Balerdi who um you know comes with a lot of accolades but is yet to play Bundesliga football so um yeah it's it's troublesome um but matthias maybe in general how do you see that partnership of of hummels and akanji uh, overall very very positive uh, i think hummels um is getting closer and closer to his uh, pre last season form uh, which obviously wasn't great uh, he's currently making joachim Löw look kind of stupid i'll be honest uh, cuz germany are in dire need of a good central defender um, and 
I'll be honest on the whole Akanji thing. That was his worst match as a Dortmund player, in my opinion. Yeah, he's lacking a little bit of the movement. And I think it comes down to that injury. That'll be fine over time. In my opinion, he is one of the best central defenders in the Bundesliga. Um, I can't name a ton of central defenders that are significantly better than him. Uh, he's only 24, which for maybe a winger is old, but for a central defender is still very, very young. And so being partnered up with Hummels, whereas last season it was like he was the key element. Now he can, not all the pressure is on him. I think he'll learn and he'll develop more and more and uh, he will be a, a dominant force. Do do they make mistakes? Of course he makes mistakes. Every central defender mistakes makes mistakes. It's just becomes, again, it's goalkeepers and central defenders. If they make a mistake... It usually leads to a goal. If a striker makes a mistake or a winger makes a mistake, usually it doesn't lead to a goal unless you're Paco Alcacer defending corners in this match because uh, he made two mistakes that led to two goals. Um, so overall, I think it's it's one of the best central defensive partnerships. We'll see where it goes the rest of the season. Hopefully they can remain fit. Obviously, Hummels doesn't have to worry about the international break as far as playing for Germany. Akanji will play, obviously, for Switzerland because he is their best defender. Um, and uh, so, no, I'm I'm very optimistic. I'm optimistic about the team. I think my, my slight pessimism does come back to um, Lucien Favre, who also, at the conclusion of the match against Union Berlin, and I know you shouldn't read too much into body language or expressions and faces and stuff, but I wasn't overly impressed by his. Let's put it that way. I think a lot of the question marks are behind him versus the team. Um, and again, Zoak and Vatske, Kiel, Zama, the whole leadership uh, council, so to speak, backed him by backing the team with more players, more money, moving out players he didn't need or want. And <clears throat> now it's put up or shut up time. Right now, it's not looking good for Favre. Uh, again, it's only been three matches. We need to chill out. But <laughs> they're... Yeah, Leverkusen Barca <clears throat> next off. Yeah. That we can vent a little well, more if need I, be. I, but I'll be honest, I think those two matches play into Dortmund's strengths rather than their weaknesses. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think those those aren't the matches I'm worried about. I'm not even worried about Bayern. I'm not worried about those matches. I'm worried about Freiburg. I'm worried about Union Berlin. You know, I'm worried about Schalke. Those are the matches I'm worried about where you're playing against a clearly vastly inferior team that knows the way to beat you is to basically play ugly football because everyone's praising Union Berlin. And I think that has less to do with how Union Berlin played. It's not like they Play, this wasn't the second coming of Cruyff's Holland that was on the pitch. It was, you know, they hardly had the ball. They hardly played a pass. They fouled the hell out of Dortmund. It is Darmstadt football in that sense. And more teams are going to play that style. And Darmstadt had success against Dortmund playing that style when Klopp was there. So that that style of play, or was it under... I can't remember. Either way, I, I try to. Yeah, I try to erase Darmstadt from my memory because <laughs> that was horrendous. But they're playing like that. Union Berlin played like that. They played a Burnley style football. Uh, Köln tried to play that way. They just 
weren't as effective and efficient, and Dortmund didn't make as many mistakes. Dortmund made significantly more mistakes in this match. And the adjustments, the good adjustments that Favre did against Köln, because we can't forget that, he made the changes tactically and personnel-wise against Köln that completely flipped that game. In this game, he didn't. And they got punished for it. Well, and so he, he made he made almost this, like he made the same ch- system change. He he swapped to four one four one or four three three later on, but to to no great effect. Also, but the personnel wasn't there. Yeah, the personnel was wrong. The personnel package he got it right, that's, that's and sometimes true. they get it right, and sometimes they get it wrong. He got it gloriously right against Köln, gloriously wrong against Union Berlin. We'll see. You know, we've got an international break. Um, people will be fit again and, and, and coming back, hopefully. Um, nothing bad happens in the international break, but we, we also, it, it, it is an issue. It, it's an issue for a lot of teams that face quality play, teams that face opposition like that. There are a few teams, very few, that don't have an issue with that. Peps Manchester City. Somehow find a way through there. Right now, Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool somehow find a way through there. Um, Dortmund just aren't there. They're, they're just not there because, uh, Favre is not as good of a coach as Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp. Shocker. I know, but I know, uh, <laughs> uh news. but, but he, but he's not. And so the vast majority are not. And, and so you kind of have to go with those expectations. I think Dortmund are a little, we are very spoiled. We had Jürgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel, two very, very extremely high-performing, high-level coaches. And, um, and, and even then, they struggled at times in these games. Of course they did, especially Tuchel in his second year. I mean, there were a lot of garbage games that Dortmund played where they played just like this against teams just like this. Um, and this isn't the first time. I and mean, we think Union Berlin, um, Nürnberg last season played out the same way, except that Nürnberg didn't score because they didn't try. At least Berlin has tried to score, and they did. Um, so, again, I'm going to try to temper my my negativity towards <laughs> Lucien Favre by the fact that it is only the third match day. We have an international break where they can go back and analyze and go, what's right, what's wrong? It's easier, in my opinion, to correct those issues now because we also can't forget there are a lot of new players, than when last season the problems started to happen for the last third of the season. Changing something then, especially given the high amount of injuries to the back line, et cetera, et cetera, that you had, was very, very hard. If you're encountering those issues early in the season, you can then analyze and make the adjustments, also because you still have another transfer window coming up, where you could maybe bring in a player or move out a player if need be. So I'm more optimistic about some of these issues coming to light now versus if they come to light in March. So, and there's still a lot of football left to play. Yes, I know, uh, uh, Bayern 161, but they will slip up. The one that I'm not worried, that I'm, that I'm concerned about, <laughs> uh, about slipping up is, is Leipzig because I'll be honest, they look like a well-oiled machine under Nagelsmann, and they're well ahead of where I thought they would be at this stage with him. And I will not be surprised if Leipzig win the Bundesliga this season. Yeah, I, I, I mean, if we talk about Leipzig, it's just that they already had the best defense last season, and I, I don't know if, if uh, 
Nagelsmann would ruin that so in in so far that it prevents them from from winning uh, their crucial game so far um it looks very good but also Leipzig have only played three matches as well so I want to be a bit more cautious there but in general I would agree with you I think um Leipzig look mighty strong but um if you want to win the Bundesliga you don't want to win it Just because everyone else really, really sucks, you want to win it because you're the best team in Germany. And uh, this is what, what Dortmund need to do. Um, they just need to play an amazingly stellar season. And that's uh, what it, what it's going to take. You can't have a mediocre season and, and, and try to win the Bundesliga. Maybe this works for Bayern in, in their own uh, concept, context and relativity, but it does not. But um, Matthias, you just mentioned the transfer window building me a bit of a segue here and uh, because I wanted to assess the transfer window with you now that it sh closed shut on Monday at 6 p.m. local time in Germany. Uh, Marius Wolf has been loaned out to Hertha Berlin and I've read that uh, there is buy option in that contract of 20 million. I'm not entirely sure if uh, that's ever going to happen after Dortmund signed him for 5 million. But we will see. Um, nevertheless, um, Overall, uh, do you have a grade for this transfer window and what did go well in your opinion and what uh, could have been done better? Um, I guess it, I guess it depends on if we're uh, what grading scale we're the using. If I were the editor, I would be like, um, oh, and please keep it under 200 words. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we're using, are we using a German grading scale, American grading scale, Swiss grading scale? Uh, no, if, if we go one to 10, 10 being the best, one being the worst, I would say Dortmund definitely had about an eight, an eight to nine transfer window. Um You know, strengthened the right areas, brought in a lot of very good players. Uh, I mean, three, four stellar signings. I still think Nico Schulz is a very good signing. I don't agree with Hakimi ahead of him in this match. Uh, obviously, Hummels, huge upgrade in defense. And then Azad and Brandt being really big upgrades. As far <laughs> as the, the, the downsides for me, um, I, I would have, personally hoped for a I, you know initially i was like well maybe somebody more central midfield with more creativity but really what you have there is that's where brand should play that's where he shines so i'm not overly concerned there i i don't know like another a real striker <laughs> with paco uh would would be nice so uh i'd, I'd love to know what happened with isaac uh what what why that just didn't work out. Um, it's a shame that a lot of players uh, are loaned out again versus just flat out being sold. Uh, Andre Schule, talk about uh, the worst contract in Dortmund history. Yeah. Ever, ever. I mean, uh, that's it's he's Dortmund's Gareth Bale in that sense, uh, just in that sense. But uh, the rest of it overall, I don't have any... Areas where I go, gosh, I wish they really would have added there or there or there or there. Uh, probably an additional striker is the one area that I wish they would have added. Now that matches have been played, overall, I've been happy with it. I hope Brandt plays more and I hope he plays more centrally. Um, whether we play a double pivot or a single pivot with a double eight ahead of it, it w remains to be seen. If Favre is willing to change the system... 
But uh, really, the only one where I'd say is just the, the lack of depth at striker does concern me a little bit. I know we have people that can play there like Guts and so on, but yeah, that's still an area where I kind of wish we'd have a quote-unquote real striker to work with Paco there. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think uh, if I would get a rating, I, I would also be at 8 out of 10. Um, just because these two games perfectly illustrated why it can be very good for Dortmund to have a striker because as I've described opponents like to push their strikers forward and then uh, defensive midfielders also um, to to guard against Dortmund's defensive midfielders, uh, defensive midfielders and, and stretch out the play and if you then have a target man up front who can uh, just uh, lay it off for another player with who can receive the ball with a back to his goal um then I don't think uh, with the amount of talent around whoever that striker would be, you don't even have to worry about that striker finishing or whatever because you you just um, would get the ball in the in the zones where you have players that uh, are absolutely lethal there, be it Julian Brandt or Marco Reus or whatever, and Jane Sancho. Obviously, Hazard, I think you can name there too, Guerrero, uh, all these players can thrive in the half spaces when they receive a ball from from a striker and especially because um it would utterly restrict opponents to play as uh, courageously as as uh, they are doing right now against Dortmund especially especially this kind of opponent so the the problem is getting a striker who, who can do that but otherwise maybe doesn't get the the most playing time because Paco Alcacer in in other games, still would be my, my number one choice, but just to mix things up, you know, like the Adrian Ramos type of player that, uh, you know, if, if nothing really works, that maybe after, um, 50, 60 minutes, you, you bring on one tall striker and another creative player to play in, in exactly that zone. And then you, you have a whole, uh, new tactical scheme and option. Um, but I don't think Lucien Favre wants that because that, sort of encourages players just to aimlessly cross the ball into the box and this is obviously not one what he wants to see so um that is number one and i would have appreciated another defensive number six uh with and it's obviously hard to get but uh with with a bit more agility uh and, and muscle um, maybe even a player like Renato Sanchez. I don't know, but I think Dortmund right now, if Axel Witzel isn't playing or, or overall they lack a player that, um, yeah, is, is, is very fast. Um, Julian Weigel obviously isn't that and, and also can just muscle other players off the ball, but obviously has a bit more passing skills. So, Basically, I'm maybe looking at a Sebastian Rode with a bit more skill, but the problem is these players are extremely hard to get and uh, certainly not as a backup. So that's that's um, maybe something I would have liked instead of uh, Dahoud, for example, just just uh, to have this backup for Axel Witzel and, and the player type that he is. And uh, yeah, just just for a bit more defensive cover here and there and pressing resistance. But that is obviously a pipe dream of mine and is not going to happen. You can't really uh, legit criticize Michel Zog for not delivering a player like that because um, they aren't there. And who knows, maybe we'll see more of Tobias Rasche because uh, I'm 
I'm quite optimistic about him. He could be that sort of player maybe further down the line or further down this season. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I think that's just a player type that that's missing. And against Union, I, I think we, we saw it quite clearly. Um, the, the Delaney Weigel double pivot is just not my favorite thing. And I, I wish you could team up Weigel with a, with a different player other than Delaney. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong there, but I, I think these are the, the two aspects where I would have said, all right, um, maybe, maybe that's okay. Um, I think Dortmund took a bit of a gamble with the right back position because Lukas Piszczek, you know, he, his form might drop off. He did certainly not have, have a good game against Union Berlin. And, uh, Hakimi, I don't think is ready yet to permanently play as a, as a fullback just because his, uh, de- de- defensive, uh, <laughs> yeah, soundness is, isn't just there yet. And, um, yeah, but I'm excited about Matteo Moray. So I think that's overall fine from, from Dortmund. And of course, uh, on the plus side, we've discussed it at length. Uh, Dortmund did just a spectacular job in getting Hazard and Brandt. That's just, uh, Two amazing transfers, and if you combine that with um, the permanent signing of uh, Paco Alcázar, who I think is an amazing striker, and uh, Axel Witzel already in the last transfer season, I think the overall rebrand of Dortmund or rebuild or whatever you want to call it has worked out amazingly. Sure, uh, it would never be perfect, and there's always a transition in football. That's just how it is. But uh, from the resources that Dortmund have, I think they 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 did a mighty fine job. So um, I'm super pleased, and I think Dortmund have an amazing team, and there will be a lot of fun games going, uh, you know, forward against Union Berlin. It certainly wasn't, but I think we also have to give give credit to to Union Berlin. That was their first Bundesliga win coming against Dortmund in that stadium with that atmosphere. It was an amazing and unforgettable night for all, all these fans. So, um, yeah, at least I'm, I'm happy for them that Dortmund lost to Union Berlin and not Paderborn or something. But, you know, that might come later. Who knows? Always the optimist. Yeah. Always I, the optimist. I, I mean, granted, I mean, we talk about good atmosphere and stuff like that. Obviously, there were some very ugly scenes as well. Yes. Uh, when it comes to support. Uh, during that match, uh, which which I'm not overly surprised by, um, given some previous comments over the last few seasons between the supporters groups, so you know it's a, it's an un unfortunate uh, sideshow that that happened there. So hopefully, at some point, these types of fans will either just go away, which they won't. Um, or, you know, I mean, their, their infantile behavior will just finally be eliminated from fan scene in general. But I, I am not optimistic about that. No, me, me neither. Uh, and I think the police also overstepped and uh, there were multiple reports of, of people needing treatment after uh, pepper spray was used in the block, which I don't think is, is ever a smart idea in, in the fan section. Because there are just so many people there and you uh, will definitely hit people with that pepper spray that uh, you do not want to hit. So, um, yeah, but uh, I think, I think police tactics in, in football stadiums are never really, um, perfect. So that's, uh, something that needs to be addressed. But, um, you know, 
who knows how, how this would have escalated. So it, it was probably good for the police to go in there, but the use of pepper spray was completely uncalled for because, uh, you know, it wasn't that chaotic at this point. I think mostly insults. So yeah, just a bit stupid as per usual. But yeah, what, what, what you're going to do? Um, it's, it's, it's sadly, uh, the reality of, of, uh, fans going to the, to the games that, uh, they are being mistreated by the police. Um, you know, it, it happens in Germany. It happens in other countries. Um, that's just how it is. And, uh, the good news is that there are a lot of, um, outspoken fan groups and that, that lobby against that sort of police behavior. So, um, you know, at least something is being done about it and people are not just, you know, letting the police get away with it. So, yeah. I, I would personally like to see fans start behaving properly. Because yes. I think, in my opinion, the one begets the other. And and uh, knowing police officers that deal with crowd control situations, it's even harder in a stadium as small as Alte Försterei, simply because of the confines you're dealing with and all that kind of stuff. Um, and honestly, a lack of training when it comes to that, which is completely shocking, in my opinion, uh, that there's not more money invested in training police on how to deal with crowd control in a closed stadium. Um, but at the same time, if you just quit acting like a dickhead, you're probably not going to get smacked in the face. So um, it would be nice if uh, these fans at some point would also just police themselves to a higher degree and just eliminate those idiots. Just get rid of them. Just stop. Just stop. And then these type of situations won't even come up. Um, I personally always place more blame on the instigators uh, of those types of situations um, because in Germany we don't quite have the situation like you do in places like Italy or Turkey and stuff like that where the police uh, to say go heavy handed uh, is a bit of an understatement um, and it's clear clear brutality but it's also on both sides uh, most German fans these days don't go armed into the stadium like you will have in, in Italy for instance or in Russia and places like that that I've noticed and that I've read um, but it, it just, it's, it's a shame that some idiot fans decided to act like idiots again, and hopefully one day they'll grow up, hmm. uh, and, and not do that. Uh, but then they'll, the next, the next was, group of idiots will I be right there to pick up the mantle. Of oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, the eighties and nineties, you had hooligans, you don't have hooligans anymore. And now you have ultras, ultras and hooligans aren't the same thing. Um, but there are clear segments within the ultra scene that are basically hooligans. Um, f you know, maybe a little more creative, um, but uh, behavior is basically the same thing. And, and having stood in stadiums both now and in the 90s, there's not a huge difference uh, when it comes to the idiots in the crowd. They're they always tend to be the same same group of people. Yeah, I'm I'm more concerned really with the bystanders who didn't really do nothing than get pepper sprayed. Uh, that's just uh, you know you just want to have a great day of football and not to deal with that because of uh, the idiots to your right or left or wherever you stand. So that's just that's just uh, quite annoying. But um, yeah. Uh, I I think there there will be further comments and statements and reports on on that incident. So we'll we'll keep you posted on the yellwall.net. 
Anyway, um, Matthias, is there anything else you want to say on on this game, or do you think we've we've uh, talked it out? I, I just as soon move on and forget it ever happened because I'm pretty sure Lucien Favre will forget it had ever happened and it'll happen again. So, <laughs> wow, this went dark so fast. I know. I thought we 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 nearly like talked it through and got it out of our systems, but you pulled us up. All back. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I always try to look at the bright side. It's still early. I have hope it'll change. Uh, and if he doesn't change, he will get changed. I have absolute faith in that. I, after these investments, I don't think uh, Vatska and Soak will hesitate to replace Lucien Favre if a proper candidate, not named Hitashtuga, is available. <laughs> well, if we do want to look at the bright side, um, we must say that Dortmund did not completely fall asleep from the get-go. That was a much better start than they displayed against Cologne, where they were just atrocious in the first half hour. And there there were some good instances of football. Um, so, yeah, a couple of moments were unlucky, especially Julian Brandt with the two moments where he could have easily played a very nice assist but overcooked the ball. Um, these things happen, and... Uh, That's unlucky, but obviously, um, yeah, there was also a lot of shit that's just completely unacceptable uh, from a footballing standpoint in this game, especially in the last half hour where Dortmund practically produced nothing and overall just had two shots on on target. I think uh, stats-wise, a couple of expected goal models also had uh, Union Berlin win that matchup, so that does not bode well. So, yes, there's more work to do. And I, I really hope they figure it out, but I'm a bit in a similar camp with you. I don't, I don't think it's going to change from one week to the next. I, I think we will see this sort of game again at some point this season. So, um, yeah, it's just annoying to lose the, the lead in the table like that. And, uh, Leverkusen next will not be any easier, but we'll preview this game next week. So, um, yeah. That's that's all I have to say, Matthias. So if if there are any, s- oh yeah, right. Um, there's this one subject I wanted to ask you real quick about Marco Royce. I don't know if he said it in jest or was super serious, but he he said that he'll do anything um, to recruit Kai Havertz from Leverkusen and said that he will uh, rely also on the help of of Julian Brandt. <laughs> What do you make of that? Well, uh, Michael Sork immediately told him to shush, <laughs> basically. Um, no, I mean, it's great. Obviously, who wouldn't want Kai Havats on their side? Um, everyone is linking him to Bayern simply because of the money that Bayern would pay to have him. Uh, I think they'll outbid Dortmund because they just have more money than Dortmund. Oh, please. Um, Dortmund going to come so. around with that Sancho money. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Sancho gets sold to to some team in the Premier League for a hundred and gazillion million. Then you've got the Kai Havats money. And in that instance, then I would absolutely go after him. Full tilt. Um, buy him. Pay him max salary that you have in your team, and and he'll be happy, especially if he'll link up with Julian Brandt again, and obviously he has a relationship with uh, Marco Reus, and especially if at that time, for some reason, Götze wouldn't be there. I mean, Kai Havertz uh, at this point, uh, there aren't many that I would go, oh, that's a big upgrade over Götze, but Kai Havertz right now, versus Milo Götze right now, I would see as an upgrade, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, um, 
on on that note, um, if Dortmund ever find a new coach, I I really would hope it would be someone that that finds a way to reintegrate Mario Götze again because um, yeah, no, I'm I'm a big fan of his and uh, I yeah would just hope to to see him perform again as as he did last season because that was quite spectacular at, at times and uh, yeah, his talent right now seems a bit wasted. Um, also, we did not entirely discuss uh, the uh, transfer of, or the loan rather, of Marius Wolf. Um, I personally think that uh, this basically means the end of his Dortmund spell. I don't think he will come back and then play again for Dortmund. Um, what do you think? A right decision from Dortmund to to let him go now? Do you think they they need his depth uh, or or whatever he offers the team, or do you think uh, this was fine? Uh, I'm fine with it. I think Marius Wolf is a decent player for a team that's not called Borussia Dortmund. I mean, maybe the next tier below that. He he sh he shined. He had a very good time under Kovac at Frankfurt. I think that's his type of system. Uh, definitely not the Lucien Favre system or that type of system that I think Dortmund want to have, that more possession-oriented football. Um, so he's definitely in a better position where he goes somewhere where you're just going to have space to run into and utilize his greatest asset, which is his speed and physical presence. So uh, I wish him all the best at Hertha. If he has a good season there, I wouldn't be surprised if they make that loan deal permanent. Yeah, I'm... I, I would also not be shocked because Hertha is exactly the, the the kind of team that plays the way that might might favor his his style of play. Um, I would not be shocked to see it come to the best fruition against Dortmund. On I think he even said it himself, match day thirteen. <laughs> um, so yeah, Marius Wolf, um, obviously um, a fighter, and I don't think Dortmund have enough of these characters in in their teams even even still. Um, so that's obviously a loss, but uh, considering the amount of playing time that he would get and the amount of uh, games where he would actually be effective, um, yeah, it, it, it's just too rare. So I think in the end it, it makes sense. I I had the Paulo on our Twitter account and it, I think the, the split was really down the middle 50-50 of people who thought it was a good idea and people who thought they should have, Dortmund should have kept him. Um, I'm, I'm more in a I'm I'm okay with it, so um yeah. We'll we'll see. Maybe in two episodes I'll be oh god, how, how could they do this? Now everyone's injured, no one's left. Um but you know uh, then we can maybe see more of Gio Reyna, so I wouldn't be too sad about that either. Anyway, Matthias, I think that's a that's a good moment to knock it on the head and uh, say our goodbyes. Matthias, how can uh, people get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matthiasuk. Very well. You can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with all of us, please do that on Twitter as well at YellowWallPod. It's our Twitter and Facebook handle. And if you want to subscribe to the written content, like uh, the article that I just published, uh, then go to theyellowwall.net and become a Patreon subscriber for one buck a month which is, I hope, very affordable for you all and uh, would make me certainly more happy in life and overall. <laughs> so uh, please do that and support us. And if if you don't want to 
contribute financially, you can still share our podcast and tell fellow Dortmund fans. That would be great. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, now also on Google Music. And you can also find our YouTube channel on our webpage. So it's all there. Again, if you also want to sponsor an episode, go on patreon.com slash the yellow wall and find more information there. We will be back next week for the Leverkusen preview and uh, maybe also, I think the Barcelona game is on a Tuesday, so I think we'll talk about these two very exciting games. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I, I can't wait. So, um, yeah, until next week again, especially this week, everyone out there, thank you for listening. Goodbye.